You are listening to episode 18 of the InspireWire podcast. Welcome Welcome to to the InspireWire, a podcast where ideas are exchanged, worlds are traveled, and life is experienced. This is the InspireWire with your host, Tom Murphy. All right, everyone, welcome to episode 18 of the podcast. Today is going to be a solo episode. I hope you guys had a good July 4th week. I got to take it off from work and I was doing a lot of chilling and not a lot of podcast prep. So it's just going to be me and you guys. So um, one thing I wanted to focus on that we really haven't touched on um, yet in the podcast is relationships and their importance and things I've learned and my thoughts on them. So I know that it's it's something we all deal with because we're social animals. We need these relationships. We love working on them and and the success of our relationships oftentimes dictates, you know, our happiness and and what we achieve in them it brings us, you know, a lot of self-worth and self-esteem. So with that being said, I want to kind of talk about one aspect that I thought that's really helped me and um, I continue to try to focus on it to create um, good relationships in all aspects of my life. So, So the one concept that I've really started to grow and learn about since college has been emotional intelligence and realizing um you know the situation and not just thinking about my own perspective and so um emotional intelligence is really um it's defined as under the capability to understand one's own emotions and the emotions of others in the context in the context of a situation but for me I think it's even more emphasized as really understanding someone else's perspective and understanding someone else's emotions Um, because because everybody is usually able to because everybody is usually pretty in tune with the emotions they are feeling at a given moment but as far as understanding how somebody else is feeling it's not a, it doesn't come naturally like like the personal emotions come in order to kind of put this in perspective um, one study that my social psychology class that I believe I mentioned in an earlier solo episode um, it was really important for me because I learned a lot of different things um, about you know humans and how they interact with each other and one experiment that we talked about extensively was a specific uh, study. It was a classic one done in 1973. It was by um, Darley and Batson. And what this study did was it took 67 students from the Princeton Theological Seminary. And they told them that this study was about religious education and vocations. So what the, they split those people in half and they said, all right, so half of you got, well, they told one half 
that you were going to deliver a talk about the Good Samaritan, and this was going to be the religious education part. And the other half was going to talk about job opportunities for seminary graduates, and obviously this is the vocations part. And so what they didn't um, tell them about was what they were actually testing for, and that was for whether these uh, these students would stop uh, when a man is in distress. And so th- each of these uh, students were going to be um, encountering someone who is going to be uh, in distress. It would be an experimental confederate lying in a doorway, doubled over, eyes closed, and coughing. Participants would have to pass the apparently highly distressed man, but would they stop to help? In order to test the hypothesis um, from these two social psychologists, what they did was they, they manipulated how much of a hurry the students were in. So one, a third of the students would be given the statement or instructions, Oh, you're late. They were expecting you a few minutes ago. We'd better get moving. The second third would be told, the assistant is ready for you, so please go right over. And the third would be told, it'll be a few minutes before they are ready for you, but you might as well head on over now. And so these three different conditions were were labeled high, medium, and low hurry. So what they were trying to test for was although these were seminary students would they how how affected would they be by the hurry that they're in and so for the results and on average only 40 percent of the seminary students offered to help um so the fact that they were in a hurry played a large influence on their behavior and you could see that by the numbers uh based on each uh, third of whether they were in a hurry or not. The low hurry group, 63% of them stopped to help um, the seemingly injured man. The medium hurry group, uh, only 45% of them stopped. And then finally, the ones in a really big hurry, 10% of them stopped. Uh, As far as results go, also they found what they were going to talk about also had an effect. So for those who were going to talk about careers for seminarians, only 29% offered help. While of those asked to talk about the parable of the Good Samaritan, uh, 53% gave assistance. So the main point here is that the the, um, subjective situation really matters a lot um and and it just seems like a lot of times people can assume a lot about a person or or something like that um they don't when you see somebody acting a certain way you assume something about that person when you're not understanding the whole situation so say you're um someone watching this and and you see like a lot of people avoiding it and and not helping and you go and help you probably assume that all the other people are jerks but maybe you're not considering 
the other factors. The same goes for uh, someone in a hurry. They, they're only consumed by their own uh, actions and what's going on with them. They're only worried about, all right, I'm really late for this. I need to get there. And they're not thinking about other people and, and what those what what that other person is going through. That social psychology experiment as well as the class really kind of opened my eyes to think about, all right, wow, like, am I really avoiding or like overlooking a lot of people and the signals they give off, what they're actually thinking? When someone says something to me, why are they saying that? What perspective do they have? What have they been through that's led them to make a decision like that, say something like that, or not say something? And and it just got me thinking, and and it's really made me a you know a more you know I guess going back to the term emotional intelligence, it's it's just made me more. Uh, aware of other people's feelings and their emotions. Um, another uh, resource that um, this social uh, psychology class gave us was a reference to a uh, nonfiction book uh, written by a former Williams graduate alum and he wrote a book it was called uh, Situations Matter understanding how context transforms your world and uh, I got a chance to read it and it's really interesting it has a lot of different um, really easy to read uh, examples of how different situations really transform how we act how we feel and I really encourage you guys to check it out and learn what a lot of people think every action you make, that's a reflection of your personality when a lot of times it turns out you're, what you do is, is really dictated by all the factors that go into it and what, and what has led up to that point and, and the decisions that you made prior to or the environmental factors. And one of the examples that they give is just general um, notes about you know experiencing other people and, and, and the assumptions that you can possibly make. On uh, page 18, um, uh, he says, In daily life, even when we should know better, we endorse this idea of what you see is what you get. When you assume that the behavior we observe of another person at a particular point in time provides an accurate glimpse of the true product within. The waiter who screwed up our order? We label him incompetent. The colleague who won't return our emails? She's inconsiderate. The actor who delivers the knockout soliloquy? He's articulate. What you see is what you get leads us to conclude that these actions result from underlying consistent character. And we expect this personality to emerge reliably anytime, anywhere. So the waiter was an idiot before you showed up before lunch. The coworker is a jerk even on her day off. And the actor would be the perfect commencement speaker. In essence, we're most comfortable seeing each other the same way we watch sitcoms, expecting to encounter familiar characters who act much the same from episode to episode. 
I thought that that passage in particular was really relatable because a lot of us can relate to kind of being inspired by a certain, you know, a speech or a video or really being annoyed with someone because they said something or had an attitude or someone cut us off in traffic and and we're not really thinking about the other person. For example, if you're if you're stuck in traffic and someone cut you off, well, you probably are in a bad mood cuz you're in traffic, maybe you're late for work, and the other person is experiencing the exact same things. Uh, maybe he's even more late for work than you, or maybe he's had an even worse week than you or she. Um, so that's that's kind of something that kind of sticks with me as, you know, a lot of people, you know, they take their frustrations or, or they assume too much about a situation before really getting a sense of everything that's been going on. So one rule of thumb really uh, that I learned was that when you're going into a situation, you have to assume that that person has really had a really tough week or has, you know, been at least gone through as much of bad experiences that you have. And once you come to that understanding, it's much easier to have a like a civilized conversation talk about the real issues and not get caught up in assumptions based on you know maybe one bad phrase or or one bad action when really there it's a lot more complicated than that all right so now i want to kind of transition to a discussion about relationships and incorporating this uh, concept of emotional intelligence into what I believe is is crucially important in all relationships. And uh, so what I think are really the foundations of a successful relationship, whether it's romantic, friendship, family, what have you, um, I think the most the two most important things in any relationship is trust and communication. And and so as far as trust goes, I'm not, you know, I don't have the secret, you know. It's not like it's not like something where I can say, "All right, follow these steps and you'll get the trust." It's like you need to constantly just foster and 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 really it goes hand in hand with the communication. That's what I'm, I really want to talk about is consistently talking to whoever it is who you have this relationship with in order. This it goes it goes into trust because what you're doing is you're talking about whatever is going on, how you want to improve the relationship, all these different things, and that leads to more trust. When you're open and honest and continually striving to improve the relationship that just builds more trust and so a lot of people are are you know obviously interested in in what they can do to improve a relationship and the first thing that always comes to my mind is communication when an issue a problem something that's bothering you about this relationship um 
you know, when that keeps coming up in your mind, you need to get it off and off your chest and and let it be known. However, you're able to do that with this person, the better it is. Because you can't you can't get your frustrations off um, by talking to someone else and expect the behavior to change. And what you kind of have to establish is, you know, talking to someone and being like, all right, we need to be able to have this communication open and be able to talk about things that are going on in order to fix our problems. Um, and I kind of want, I kind of like to think about it as, you know, when, when, you know, you have a house, you have a kitchen, you have a living room, you have rooms in your house that you want to keep clean. When things start piling up and, you know, it's getting messy, you may want to ignore them or, or let, or let it be for a little bit. But once you're, once it keeps piling up and piling up, um, it becomes, you know, a disaster. And that's the same thing for a relationship. If you're able to continually, when a problem arises, you're able to communicate that and resolve that in a timely fashion, the better, the better you're off. And that way you can continually maintain, um, you know, an open line of, you know, a good, good sense of trust, a open line of communication and, you know, it's, it's definitely hard to establish that because you have to have trust before you even do that because what you're looking for is a safe space for you to be able to say, hey, look, um, this really bothers me. And a lot of people will take it offense to that. And, you know, because what you're doing essentially is attacking them. And that's how they feel. But really what you're doing is just expressing how you feel. So you have to always frame it, you know, in talking about, you know, like I said, emotional intelligence. So uh, one example that I guess you could use. Um, so say you're in a relationship. Say, um, say it's a romantic relationship. Um, and what you are upset about is maybe that they are receiving a lot of attention willingly from a member of the opposite sex or the, or, or the sex that they are attracted to. So what you have to do is, um, you know, put, you know, themselves in your shoes. You need to get them to understand your perspective. And what you also have to do is understand their perspective as well. And when you're, you know, approaching this, you need to definitely take into account what they're experiencing. So maybe they are um, getting a lot of attention that they ne they don't necessarily want. You have to consider that as well. So, so it's bothering you that somebody is giving um, your significant other attention and sometimes the situation makes you think that they really want that attention when maybe you haven't given them the chance to explain that no, they do not want that attention. So all of these things have to be taken account for. 
you can't like we talked about earlier you can't get sucked into what you've experienced in the situation and get lost in in what is actually happening in reality being able to communicate effectively and talk about both perspectives and both sides of the story is very crucial in resolving the conflict because most oftentimes when conflict arises it's a misunderstanding in and between between these people and it can be solved very quickly and efficiently so to finish it off i want to give you guys an example in uh, a tv show of how something so small um if let um an issue that or misunderstanding that without communication can totally turn into something drastically bigger than what or what it originally was. So uh, this one uh, example is from the TV show Everybody Loves Raymond. Um, it's a really good show that talks about you know social um, situations, especially relationships. Um, uh, especially the relationship of Raymond and Deborah, married uh, couple with kids, and in this situation, they come back from vacation and they both shared luggage in one suitcase, and it just so happened that it was left halfway up the stairs on the landing, and a few days goes by and no one brings up the suitcase um, to unpack it. Um, so Raymond notices it. And we're seeing seeing it through his eyes, and how um, Deborah is home all day with the kids, and supposedly has so much time and and visibility seeing the suitcase, and should have unpacked it. So he doesn't do anything. Then later on, it gets even more. Weeks go by, and he sees Deborah wearing shirts from the suitcase, and. It escalates, and he starts wearing uh, stuff from the suitcase, and and long story short, it just talks about how something so small as oh, it's a shared suitcase. One of us should bring it up, and and deal with the problem quick quick enough, and not have a grudge, and talk about things like that. That's small, where. If you don't do those little things and and make sure you're staying on top of small issues, it can turn into a huge issue. Um, and there's a clip that I'll definitely attach that t- that mentions another one for Raymond's parents where they uh, have a misunderstanding that's pretty similar to that. So it all goes back to really making sure you have that open line of communication. And really getting your thoughts out in the open and and being comfortable in saying, all right, well, I think you're doing this and it makes me feel this way and maybe we could change that because I think that it, it's important for us. Or, or just something like that. Just getting your feelings out on the table and being honest and open with someone and knowing that they're not going to assume too much about you and not going to take your words harshly is crucial to maintaining a healthy relationship. 
So I hope you guys enjoyed um, this little talk about emotional intelligence and ways you can really, you know, improve and maintain your relationships and and just really think about the entire situation because emotional intelligence is something that can improve a lot of things other than relationships. Just your ability to read the situation, read what the other person is thinking, um, is really can really help you in a lot of different ways. So I I hope you guys all think about that. I'll be posting, you know, links to articles or or videos that I think are interesting and related to this on my website, which is www.theinspirewire.org. So definitely check that out. And uh, that's our show. Um, thanks for listening, and I'll see you guys next time.